1: Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
2: This is the London is Blue podcast. All things Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick.
0: That's right, Chelsea fans. A day late, but never going to run away from you guys. We are back with another episode of the London is Blue podcast. You know, first and foremost, our thoughts are with those who were attacked, killed, injured, in Las Vegas last night. Uh, We didn't record our usual Sunday podcast. Uh, We can get into that a little bit later why, but now just like seeing what all has happened and all the news that has come out right away, right at the beginning of this episode, we just wanna say uh, everyone affected in our thoughts and prayers. For you that are probably pretty far away from Las Vegas, uh, think of it this way, The odds are there are Chelsea fans in that community right now that are being affected by it. So that's kind of how we can come around and support all of those that, you know, share the same social circles as us. Uh, But with that heavy intro, I do want to bring Dan and Nick in gentlemen, um, obviously been a a bit of a rough week weekend uh, for the Chelsea fans in America. Uh,
2: But like I said, we didn't want to skirt around this Nick by any means. No, I mean, it's a senseless tragedy again. Uh, You know, it's something that, you know, isn't directly related with our show. And there's a lot of politicizing that's going on around it. Uh, I think we just want to put our our frame of mind with those in that community who are Chelsea fans. And certainly um, just with our with our fellow Americans, um, Dan, who are dealing with an unthinkable tragedy. You know, people who are going out to a freaking concert. Yeah, I mean, look
1: at that. You look at what's happened in Puerto Rico. I mean, it's uh, it's been tough times, and you know, uh, thankfully, you know that this, uh, you know, from this point forward in the podcast, we hope that we can, eventually, if you're being impacted or affected by those things, that you can uh, have a an hour of uh, release as we talk about uh, Kevin De Bruyne, why we shouldn't have sold him uh, for 55 minutes, and uh, we'll go on from there. Uh, well, as we usually start our
0: shows off, we were absolutely inundated, Dan, by iTunes reviews from this past week. I'm not really sure if it's because uh, we had two matches, so we had twice as many times to, to kind of rally the troops. But
1: uh, what do we have in total again? Yeah, so we, we have a bunch of iTunes reviews this, this week, and as always, if you leave a five-star review on iTunes, we give you a shout on the show. And uh, I apologize, because there were a couple in iTunes stores that I didn't even realize we were getting blown up in. Uh, Britt Mex in Mexico was a Chelsea fan of 47 years, gave us a five-star. We got some five-stars from uh, Kosovo, Lueta at 87 Ghana, Tony T, Sweden, Mr. GSD, Switzerland, Chelsea 103, and then two from, uh, one from the U.S., Irvin Pinto, and then one from the U.K., uh, Lofer Mateus all gave us five-star reviews. So thank you very much for that. And as always, leave a five-star on iTunes. We'll give you a cool shout-out on the show. No, that's awesome and then I want to also give a, a special shout out to Caleb
0: who came in huge with a massive yeah. showing of support on Patreon uh, again guys this is how you get your shout out get involved with the show uh, it really helps us, it really supports us so thank you for that um, and one last one, Nick, we kind of had this fun little retweet chain going on on Friday where someone's like, hey, you probably didn't know this. We've got listeners in India. And then I just retweeted and said, hey, let us know where you listen from. And that
2: list just blew our minds. Really? Unbelievable. Yeah. You want to talk about just one of the most fun things that we've read in a long time? You know, we we, we do see some of our statistics in the, in the podcast platform that we use. Uh, And kind of our heat map, as it were, but to see you guys actively commenting from where you were, I mean, whether it be, you know, in in random corners of America or, you know, some of our friends in India or Switzerland or Kosovo or every other country that you can think of, Dan, it just is an incredible uh, experience to see that you guys are engaged with us and uh, and we can't thank you enough. Right. Well,
1: Denmark, uh, Hungary, Pakistan, Iran, uh, Brazil, Johannesburg, South Africa, Australia, Ireland. um, You know, so plenty from the U.S., uh, like Lincoln, Nebraska, Ann Arbor, Michigan, San Diego, people from Trinidad and Tobago, Hong Kong, uh, some from Orlando, Florida. Hi, not that far away. Uh, Denver, San Antonio, Egypt, Iceland, Sweden. It was just, you know... uh, uh malawai as another this is the list was incredible to read through saudi arabia like all these people kind of listening in is uh, is pretty fantastic super humbling and uh you know it's why we turn it on every week to to get on here and chat with you guys so thank you uh thank you again for listening
0: No, the funny one for me was someone's like, yeah, I'm probably your only fan. And it was Alabama, Arkansas. And I was like, I don't know about that. You you might be surprised. Gave it a retweet. Sure enough, someone else responded. And I think they ended up being pretty close. We might have a new Chelsea in America chapter popping up pretty soon uh, down there. But guys, let's go ahead. And uh, we've got a really cool shout out that we want to do. Nick, about the Nike hooded jacket that the Chelsea
2: staff have been rocking lately. Yeah, so if you've seen this, uh, it is the, the classic, Dan, it's the classic royal blue and white. It is, I think, one of the nicest Chelsea jackets um, produced in the last 20 years. Um Nike's put together this beauty. Tell the fans about it.
1: Well, it is polyester, 100% um but it's getting cold out man and you know it's got that rib waist and cuff that, that full uh, nice kind of uh pull string thing so you can kind of get it right to the size of uh, your head and my head's a little larger than most so it, it definitely <laughs> you know fits appropriately afterwards but uh only 105 bucks on worldsoccershop.com
2: go get you one do it Especially for those of you
0: that are going to be heading to London with us in December, it's going to be chilly. I can promise you that. Yeah, uh, but it that, was it was chilly in May, <laughs> so we hope we hope you're ready. I'm I'm going to be packing plenty more layers. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about Manchester City. Obviously, it's been a few days. A lot of the dust has already settled, but. There's still a lot to talk about. We took him on in the Premier League is at Stamford Bridge, like I said this past Saturday. Blues 0 Citizens 1. Uh Dan, go ahead and run us through the lineup, which well, my prediction from the Atletico Madrid match was way off.
1: Yeah, if you expected the uh, the old CMP, the copy and paste from Atletico Madrid into the Premier League against Man City, uh you were Partially right. Uh, Courtois, obviously, between the sticks. Rudiger Christensen uh, in for Louise, who is still serving his red card suspension. Gary Cahill in the back three. And then you saw and N'Golo Conte, Bakayoko, Seth Fabregas, and Marcus Alonso as your midfield five. And then you had a two up top, really more of a one-one offset. Eden Hazard um, from Morata, the striker up top. We'll see David D... William Kennedy, Victor Moses, Mishi, and Pedro all on the bench too. So uh, definitely, maybe not the lineup. Uh, A couple of people were expecting there, Nick, especially with uh, Victor Moses sitting on the bench.
2: Yeah, very interesting. Um, You know, we know we know that Vic played a really hard match over the week or during the week against Atletico, and you know, certainly, you know, would have thought that if if he was a little knackered that. Uh, our second option would be Zappa Costa and not not to bring in uh, Dave at right wing back. Um, so it, it was certainly a, an interesting scenario. Um, did not expect to see kind of the the midfield and uh, and wing backs kind of shake out like that. But um, but yeah, and it, and it didn't play very well either, which is part of the big problem. Yeah, a couple a couple of questions uh, at Weebleed Chelsea
0: on Twitter and uh, Owen. Uh, Owen Striffler on Instagram, you know, both talking about the lineup and stuff. And, you know, to me, uh, I tried to rationalize the 3-4-3 last week. We had that in the social media questions. And my biggest thing with that is you're going to bring in fresh blood, right? You can, you can fit Pedro. You can fit William in. They're going to be better. Uh, I was a little surprised Zappa didn't play at wingback, but you know, I think that that maybe shows where Antonio Conte's mind is with him, which is a little concerning because we're going to need him to be able to do more than just play against opponents like Karabag and uh, Forrest in the Cup. But we'll, we'll kind of have to see, and I, and I promise we will talk about it a little bit more. Uh, but Dan, unfortunately, man, you get the one and only goal this weekend. Ah, oh,
1: man. Um, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne. Outside the box, found a pocket of space that really you know, hadn't actually presented itself for the majority of the game. Uh, I think you know, the, the defense, though, was starting to get pulled a little bit like uh, your pizza dough and starting to get a little bit of, you know, thinner during the second half. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the, the ginger Belgian pops up out of nowhere, finds his spot, takes his shot, and then wheels away in front of the supporters to let them know that he's given his team the lead and a critical three points in a contentious Premier League race early in the season.
0: Nick, this goal pretty much uh, was was a good... I guess example of Chelsea's midfield completely falling apart at this point uh, I mean they pretty much De Bruyne started it from near half and then finished it at the top of the box like Dan said and and our midfielders were running around they were not present it was just kind of kind of summed up how I know you were feeling for a lot of the
2: game yeah it was brutal to watch honestly I think uh, you know most Chelsea fans are probably feeling that way um, right about now but Uh, Take nothing away from De Bruyne. Uh, He had a great match. You know, he was clearly the man of the match for me, and uh, and that shot is basically unstoppable unless a defender gets a deflection on it. And there were no defenders to be to be found, Um, which is you know uncharacteristic for sure of a a Chelsea defense under Antonio Conte. So, I mean, yeah, part of me, part of me was uh, was furious, and then I think part of me also was looking at, uh, you know, kind of generalized perspective of of where our defense was at in the match and half legs. uh, I think the legs were a big part of it. And then, you know, kind of I think half uh, half mental um, awareness and sharpness to kind of see all the pockets of space that he was running into in the second half. And just a failure by uh, our midfield to pick him up and then a failure of our back line to uh, to step up. Well, we will definitely talk about the midfield uh,
0: a little bit later, but uh, I do want to just right off the bat talk about our attackers, our forwards, since Chelsea's been kind of playing with two forwards, almost maybe a 1 1 with Hazard and Murata. Unfortunately, Nick, you literally said it last Wednesday on the podcast. We were asked if we could ever see Murata and Mishi play together. You said no because we don't have any depth. And sure enough, We saw that today when Murata went off. Uh, Hamstring injury, we're hearing two to eight weeks, but it sounds like most medical professionals say six to eight. So, Nick, I mean, we lost Murata, and pretty
2: much we lost any chance of winning, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, look, this is still a guy in Murata who has not played a full season as a starting striker. Um, Very young, you know, very athletic, you know, a guy that I think we all trust very much now, uh, but you know that match uh, against Atleti was a, a a barn burner. You know, everybody was running. He he was gassed uh, when he came off, and it, it makes you you know for all the you know kind of gleeful squad depth talks that we've had uh, of late, it makes you wonder uh, you know if if we're still pretty short um, because. You know, first of all, he comes off and, and, you know, early on in the match before halftime, I think it was like the 34th minute and Antonio Conte elects to put William on, which is, you know, not a, a, you know, a formal striker. So we're going with kind of a false nine with Hazard and William up top. And then, you know, Mishi comes on and, and, you know, it's OK. But I mean, again, I think he it's really hard to get him involved at that late stage against the city team who had been dominant up to that point. So, uh, I, you know, I'm very concerned, you know, just to be flat out honest, um, you know, the, the reason that, uh, that Marantz has been so good is, you know, he's been using, uh, a lot of, a lot of legs and, and making some pretty darting runs. And, and Mishi is not that guy. Um, so we're we're going to see a different Chelsea in the next six to eight weeks. And we just better hope, Dan, that it's uh, good enough to, to win some of these matches.
1: Yeah. You know, when we watched it happen during the match, we, we threw out a little tweet with a halftime fill in the blank word game. Yeah, Marata leaving injured makes you feel. Uh, and we got Knicks run through there. Uh, there were a couple, uh, loyal U S fan wrote, uh, like I'd gotten broken up with over a text message. Uh, that, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, Nate used the word crestfallen. Uh, that was also uh, good, um, one felt, uh, Derek liked turning on the bat signal, hashtag minutes for Mishi, which did not happen. Uh, Kevin, uh, boy followed our show for a long time, sick and then ultimately dead inside. So uh, th- not a very positive place to be in especially when you think about the form and, and you know he just got his FIFA ultimate team uh, card of the week and everything and like this it's just you know he just got transferred into my you know fantasy team like there there's a lot of a lot, a lot of personal issues here too uh impact on this but ultimately just super unfortunate for someone who clearly was in fine form you know would potentially you know you know Unfortunately, doesn't he? Isn't the only conduit on his team, um, so doesn't get you know three goals in a game or two goals in a game all the time. So probably wouldn't have challenged for the golden boot. But we've done really nice work uh, against a couple of our next few opponents.
0: Jeff Boston asked on Facebook, saying, "Without Morata, do we have any offensive mojo? I mean, I think we do, right? Because we saw it last year. Even without Diego Costa, we found ways to score." I just think that this was a bit of a perfect storm. City were on top of their game. Chelsea came in nowhere near the top of our game. And so I don't really think it mattered what we would have done. Um, you know, their midfield was so dominant that we didn't really get a chance. I ate Buffalo Wings, asked, You should make sure you get some like royalty payments or so every time you post or something for that. I feel like there's an opportunity there. Mm hmm. Uh, but they asked, "What was the thinking for subbing William on rather than a straight swap for Batshuayi?" So obviously, I don't have all the answers, but Conte did talk about this in his post-match press conference. Obviously, people wanted to know why. He said it's because City were playing such a high line, they were trying to exploit the space in behind. Well, the problem is, I don't know if anyone else knew that, because we kept playing 50-50 balls in the air to Hazard and William against the likes of Stones and uh, and Otamendi, who were absolutely going to win those every single time. And I know that Otamendi, and I will get into this later, threw a massive elbow into Williams' face uh, before he left the ground and two foot slide tackled him later in the match. But we were just like setting those players up for failure. They were never going to win that. If we're going to play him in behind, then it has to be up over the top or on the ground in behind the defense. Honestly, it just yeah, didn't I mean, happen.
1: And especially with the way that, you know, Delph was playing as a left back, but essentially as a secondary or backup center mid and Walker kind of continued pushing forward. There, there really was tons of, you know, the space thing made sense, but you're right. Like the type of balls that were being played in weren't necessarily going to be the ones that were going to allow them to kind of streak on forward to goal.
2: Well, and I would say this, too, you know, where I think, you know, we can flat out say this. Antonio Conte got outmanaged in this match. He got out-tacticked. Uh, the team didn't have any energy. This was as comprehensive as a one-nil defeat as we've seen in recent memory. I mean, this was a complete and utter domination by City. Uh, and there's really no other way to call it than that. But if, if the rationale is beat the offside trap, then why not bring in Pedro? who is, I think, a much better timed runner than Willian. And and to be honest with you guys, Willian was terrible in, this, in those 60 minutes of action he got or whatever. He was awful. Couldn't keep the ball, was dribbling into opponent's space, obviously had some rough fouls against him, but he didn't do a single thing of value. His free kick went into the first defender, I, the dude is struggling right now. And I know that Pedro just got a goal against Stoke. So I, I don't know, man. Maybe Antonio Conte was overthinking it. But if that was his logic, Brandon, and I'm not arguing that that was his logic, but it just doesn't, that didn't make a, a ton of sense to me overall. I don't know. I think
0: that's a really good question. I think we should dig into that because. After the Atletico Madrid match, we were praising Conte ravenously because of how he set the team up. But I'm not sure we can do that this week. Like you said, Nick, uh, no Zapacosta sitting in defensively, um, which we've been told he is a defensive minded wingback first. Instead, we put Dave and had to shuffle up the back line. And then you're going to play tired legs of Conte and Bakayoko and Sesk in the midfield. And then you've got Murata up top who's coming off you know, a, a big game. And then Hazard, this is the first time he started and was like midweek. And then he's playing back to back. Like that's the first time he's playing a ton of minutes in a short span of time. And you knew it was always going to be a challenge for him. So I, I again, I really thought the three, four, three would have provided stability because the team has played it for over a season and it offered a chance for Pedro and William to come in who were rested. Obviously in hindsight, we saw how poor William was, but Again, he was not wide. He was more in the middle. He had no idea what he's doing. Dan, um, as we say, unfortunately, Conte didn't get it right today.
1: Yeah, and it's not often that we've had the privilege to say that. So uh, I think, you know, it's not a bad position to be in when the times that you can count uh, that he got it wrong are probably on your, you know, your own two hands at that point, you know, this, you know, we've used the word perfect storm a couple of times, but I, I, and, you know, Conte brought it up, you know, you have, and this is not the excuse syndrome, but it's just highlighting kind of the, the situation events, you know, city get to play, you know, on Tuesday in Manchester, you know, Chelsea have to play in Spain Wednesday night, don't get back until Thursday to prepare for a game. Most of the players that, you know, City played outside of a few rotations had a chance to play in in their Champions League game, but they, you know, they played their equivalent of, of Carabaug. So Mourinho has said it for a long time that the if the Premier League and the FA want clubs in England to perform well in the champions league and take it seriously, but then also take the league seriously and do well there too, or be competitive. They have to do something about the scheduling piece. And while some of it is rotational, because you know what, if you have someone who hasn't played at all and you could put them in who are completely fresh and you know what might give you the opportunity just to compete athletically that, that's a kind of concern for, you know, why would we potentially acquire Zapacosta and bring him on board um, for his uh, chassis um, unless he's going to, uh, you know, actually play some minutes at some point here in the season. And I, I, I'm kind of just befuddled by a few of the decisions. And, and Nick, I know you were kind of also think that maybe there was a, a few opportunities to do things differently.
2: Right. Uh, so, you know, one of those things that we identified was, um, you know, the the kind of late sub of Mishi. And I think part of the thought was if you're going to play Dave at right wing back, hypothetically, you're most likely going to bring in uh, Rudiger on the on the right side, you know, in the, in the right side center back position, I, su- I should say Rudiger's specialty is those long pinged balls, just like David Luiz and okay, now you're going to bring in William. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me at all. I mean, I I just, I think it was just one of those, those matches that just look, we were beaten flat out Uh, as well as we played against Atletico. We basically did everything else wrong um, in this match. And not only was our positioning all over the place, the, the one area of weakness I have seen consistently with this Antonio Conte squad uh, has been against the likes of City, has been against the likes of Liverpool, somewhat against Arsenal in, in recent times, but it's teams who high-press us. And you could tell, Dan, the back line was all over the place. They were struggling to play back to Courtois. They were, you know, struggling to find their little triangles of space to, to get around the press. And, you know, you looked at the midfield. Holy shit, Bakayoko, you know, you know. Hero performance on Wednesday couldn't couldn't pass the ball to a teammate on on Saturday. And Conte looked like a shell of himself. Sesk, uh, God, he was trying, but it just you know, it's just not enough from him. And you know, our, it just is a, it was a capitulation on a lot of a lot. Uh, I'm sorry, a lot of levels, Dan. I don't I don't know what else to say. It Just tactically, wasn't there. Yeah,
1: I mean, I will say that I, I think for the most part, at least in the, the first half, even though it was very touch and go, when we had the the back five, you know, they were the damn wall that had not burst. You know, they were the damn wall that was able to take the attack of Sané, Sterling, and Jesus with either Silver, or De Bruyne kind of filtering in behind and, and put them to kind of work, you know, and, and, and really... Christensen, um, Cahill, and Rudiger were all doing a pretty, pretty stand-up job for the first half, and I think Rudiger and Christensen can kind of you know be the two players that walk away at the end of the 90 being pretty pretty satisfied with the performance that they put in in kind of stopping and thwarting the attack, especially uh, Rudiger's goal line header clearance, which was amazing reaction to kind of pop up and get that ball knocked away. But I think beyond that, I, I don't think anyone stood out as being a stellar performer. And, I mean, I, I don't want to overreact because I, you know, I do think that fatigue and, and schedule rotation and, and the player you know, management was more the issue than because we also kept City to only one, one goal. You know, and you think about the fact that you know, City have you know, not really played a ton of great talent but are, you know, pulverizing teams, you know, at this moment, you know, they've got a 20 plus uh, goal differential and you are sitting at 19 points. And that, that's pretty, pretty impressive. So, I mean, their goal differential last season through the same seven weeks was 11 on 18 points. So, I mean, not, not much has changed other than the city scoring a lot more goals. So I mean I think there's, I think there's things to be upset and frustrated about, but I think there's also things that we can kind of say, you know what, after playing Atletico Madrid, killing off that game, putting in an amazing movie performance, and then coming back on minimal rests, to still, even with tired legs or poor tactics, push the city to rely on a Kevin De Bruyne wonder goal versus settling for a draw... I mean, I feel bad about it. I I will tell you, I didn't walk away like I did, you know, some games, you know, previously where I'm like, oh, well, you know, my my Saturday is destroyed and I'm kind of in a a pissed off mood all day. Like I was upset, but I didn't walk away feeling like, man, I'm going to be frustrated upset because I feel like when we come back from the international break, we'll rebound, and we'll we'll go back to our winning ways.
0: It wasn't like Crystal Palace towards the end of last season when you lose (laughs) 2-1, you're just like, what in the world? Um, I I do think it was different. And I think the word that describes the difference is fatigue. Uh, Nick, you kind of talked about it. Bakayoko barely had any legs, and our midfield shape was terrible overall. And a lot of it was because they couldn't cover the ground. It's a little weird that Conte again released Conte to run up and around when this was the exact game we needed him to sit in front of our defensive line and just sweep up everything. We didn't need him going forward because... We didn't have anything going for it at all. Um, you know, Fabregas had to defend way more than what we'd ever want him to do. And unfortunately, you know, our midfield got bullied and pulled around by City and they out tacticed us, um, like you kind of said earlier. So uh, to me, you know. Man City were transitioning faster than us and I think that that is a big problem Um, one thing to note is this is how bad we need drink water we talk about depth right like we needed someone else to go in the midfield and we didn't have that body today and I thought that um, surprisingly enough that is who we really missed today now I I don't know if Conte would have thrown him in right away Nick you you know being a huge opponent kind of this early in the season but man we needed legs in there
2: Oh, yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Um, you know, he's he is kind of a bulldog. You know, I think uh, certainly if, if he had some fresh legs would have provided a spark and and maybe would have covered some ground that, that our fatigued midfielders couldn't. Uh, you know, I, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I, he's he's not the best midfielder in the world, but certainly, you know, based on what I saw on Saturday, it would have been better than what we had going.
0: Dan, it kind of seemed like Conte was really just going to ride his luck into the international break. As I talked about last time, you know, they're off after this week. So to me, it's just like, well, I'm going to field a really strong lineup and hope it is just enough to get out of here with at least a point. And um, he almost pulled off a bit of a steal. But, you know, it just seemed like i don't know it seemed like a lot of risks and gambles were had because of the fatigue and the players coming in well below you know kind of like those ideal um i guess fitness scenarios
1: yeah i think roller coaster is probably the best word to use to describe this week because you started off on this amazing you know this feeling that hey you know what like this is a tough week. We're going to see how this squad is built. And then you rallied up to the top with a a credible last minute victory over Atletico Madrid in one of the best games, you know, that I can remember watching as a Chelsea fan and supporter. And then you plummet right back down after this man, Manchester city loss. And I mean, to me it's, it's walking away thinking, you know, there's things that still need to be addressed during the international break. Uh, you know that you know Antonio Conte is going to get time to work on that. You know that Murata is going to get the time to start his his rehab and his therapy to to get back in the squad as, as soon and as healthy as he can when ready. You know, and Hazard hopefully doesn't play <laughs> a ton of minutes for Belgium because they they're pretty locked into their their World Cup situation right now, so it's not not terribly necessary. Uh, Martinez, don't don't you have, to, you have to play him a full <laughs> ninety every game? I, I just you know I think there's multiple store multiple lines right like we could have gotten on the line where we lost Atletico Madrid and then we lost the city and it would be that would have been the worst potential week. Then you could have had a week where we won both and it would be oh my god like Chelsea has literally stamped their name um, on the Premier League and on Europe as we need to be talked about in the same way. You know PSG is being talked about, and as Real is being talked about. As Byron is being talked about as someone who's going to challenge and go for everything. Sorry, Carlo, uh, best of luck. So, I mean, this timeline we got—you know—we're living in—is the one in the middle. Like we won one of the games, and we lost one. Yeah, you know, we drew one of the games, lost one of the games. Ultimately, you know, it's it's not the worst timeline we could be in, and there's tons of positive things to still look forward to. Yeah, does losing to Man City suck? Of course it does. It's probably one of the... Outside of maybe losing to potentially Tottenham or Arsenal, it's probably the one team I hate losing to more than, than anyone else. So, I, I don't know. I, I still think I walk away feeling pretty happy with the week at like a, a B-minus kind of territory.
2: I mean, I, I probably would would have felt that way if we would have lost and kept Murata healthy. But I mean, now I think uh, that's the true. C- scenario is completely different. Um, we're going to find out pretty quick if Mishi can do it in the premier league. Um, and if he doesn't play in these next few matches, then he's, he might as well be sold. Um, you know, honestly, because uh, if, if we're going to play false nine over having a focal point, I do not have any good prospects for our next eight weeks of matches.
0: Well, uh, you know, kind of leading into it, and that's what everyone wants to know is, um, you know, we're part of the way into the season. We've had a bit of a rough stretch, but um, true or false, you know, Nick, starting off with you, are Chelsea still in the title race in
2: your eyes? Of course. Um, yeah, I mean, it's way too early to, to make any calls. You know, we'll definitely see around Christmas kind of if uh, if the Manchester clubs stumble a little bit. Um you know they. To, to be honest, you know they've they've had pretty easy schedules up into this point. You know we we have played City and Arsenal at home and Spurs away, uh, and we've played away at Stoke, which is historically tough for us. So, you know we're we're playing some tough matches early, um, but you know we certainly need to uh, start making up ground on uh, on City for sure. Dan, do you agree with that then?
1: yeah i referenced it earlier but when you look at last season you know manchester city were at 18 points through game week seven chelsea were at 13 points with seven wins one draw and two losses and at that point we had nine i'm sorry nine goals against and then 12 goals four with a goal difference of three um right now manchester city in 2017-18 is at 19 points, so 1 point better, tied with Manchester United at this point who are doing uh, you know, 6 points better than they were same point last season. Now, Chelsea are at four wins, one draw and two losses at 13 points with a plus 6 goal difference, which is essentially the same if not for a few more goals than it was last season. And last season, we took that seventh place, uh, 13th position and turned it into a champions, uh, champion winning side. So, if you are counting them out at this point, like, how I don't know how you support Chelsea, man, because this this is that's par for the course. This is the price of, of being a fan of a, a team that you know just finds every stupid way to win and uh does so uh more repetitiously than uh some of the other London clubs. So, uh, yeah, of course, without question.
0: I'd agree as well. Uh, the, you know, Dan, you kind of put, put it to bed there. You can't really complain. We're at the same amount of points and record as we were last season, and we rallied to bring it all home. The other thing that's really nice is coming after the international break, Man City have to play Stoke. It could be 50-50, right? Like if Stokes show up, maybe they put in a good performance, frustrate City. They've always got it in them. United have to play Liverpool. I feel like that could be a flash game for them. Lukaku's out with a bit of an ankle injury. Not really sure how how long that's going to keep him out. Um, but then Chelsea, so our next three matches are Crystal Palace away, which you want to talk about problems, all right? you just You look at Crystal Palace. Uh, Then we play Watford, who... While they had a good start, I think they're starting to settle towards mid-table. You'd expect to win that at home. And then Bournemouth away. Again, another team in the relegation zone. And you look, you pick up nine points, you continue to rise above, you know, amongst the ranks, maybe get back into third place behind Tottenham, see what the Man City clubs do. You know, this race is still able to be blown wide open. Uh, but I tell you what, after this week, City definitely look like the real deal. And if they can continue to put away... Uh, you know, road performances like this up against the other title challengers, it's going to be difficult. So um, I do have an additional thought now that we kind of wrap this one up. And my biggest one was just the Otamendi red card tackle towards the end of the match. I know it seems like we've always brought up a refereeing decision or a series of decisions, none of them being positive outside of the Champions League. And unfortunately, again, Nick, we, we have to say it. And I know that uh, the yellow card was issued right away, but I thought that that was a terrible decision because Otamenti literally jumped, left hit both feet and just destroyed William. Not quite a scissor tackle, but he definitely had one foot in front, one foot behind. It was just the exactly what you'd expect out of his dumb ass in the 90th minute.
2: He's wearing a royal blue shirt. I guarantee you he hits a red card. I guarantee you. Uh, I, I'm sorry, man. Like, we say it every week, and I think we've had pretty clear cut cases every single week about a refereeing decision that, you know, just frankly isn't consistent with the kinds of challenges. Uh, that, you know, on on the receiving end that Chelsea are, are getting cards for. You know, I, either that is his second yellow, first being for elbowing William in the face uh, on purpose, for sure, because no one jumps with their elbow higher than their head first. Like, no one teaches that form. Or that's a straight red because it was a straight fucking red. Like, I, I can't... It blows my mind. Like, I I don't get upset about performances or misplaced passes or anything... I get really upset about challenges that can hurt our players. And it happened to Sesc last week. It, it happened again this week. Like, I, I just, Dan, I don't get it. I don't understand what is going on in these referees' heads. Uh, you know, we, we, we've definitely turned on the
1: explicit uh, switch in the podcast uh, this season. Uh, yeah, it's just definitely a, quite the... Befuddling thing, and, and I really would be very interested. Yeah, you know, I think this. You know, the you know to, to sidebar for a second. Like, I really think it's about the transparency and decision making, and making you know making match officials available for interview, or you know at least their statements of why they decided to go certain ways in a match available for review afterwards, so that fans can understand. You know why a certain decision was you know went this way, and helping and create the appropriate dialogue versus making a decision, not saying anything about it after the fact, and having people riot online and get so frustrated and upset that they, they you know, then every you know referee is villainized for the couple of times that they're they're wrong. Uh, and, and then we actually don't even get a time potentially to kind of talk about, man, that's a really awesome you know thing that they did and they got it right, um, which truly is, is not that often. But uh, I think it would help provide an appropriate balance for us to actually start to give appropriate positive feedback and recognition to referees and officials and, and help raise the bar appropriately.
2: I will tone down the cursing, Brandon, as soon as we get equal treatment from referees. How about that? I mean,
0: those don't have to be related. I mean, you know, we'll find something. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm, I'm (laughs) sure we'll find something else. They do. But you're right. Like all the explicit ratings have come from like the big mistakes on the referees' part this season, and I think that that's is the most frustrating because right, it's out of not our control, right? But like it's out of the players and Antonio Conte's hands. They can't decide in those situations when an injustice has been done, like you can't make it even. And I know that like him going off in the 90th minute isn't really going to affect the outcome of the game, but how about this? He's going to be out three matches and that could affect them and drop points because that's what they deserve. We didn't back down when David Luiz put in a high foot uh, on Kolasinic. We accepted it. And now we're dealing with not having him for three games in, you know, in the Premier League and uh, the cup competition. So it should be equal all around the league. When our players do stupid things, we get punished. Why are the other players around the league not getting punished? And I'm open to all of our listeners tweeting us emailing us whatever it is uh if other teams have this kind of a record because you know I I listen to match of the day they have a great podcast form you should listen to it uh, I watch YouTube videos I watch NBC highlights I'm not seeing the consistency of like we're talking red card challenges not like oh a caution here a caution there should have been a free kick I mean we're talking massive decisions and so That is why, like, at the end of this, it was really rubbing a lot of salt in the wound because not only did we lose, but we got screwed over yet again that could potentially save City points down the line, which they don't deserve because it's not fair, it's not in the laws of the game, and that sucks because you also had, had Atkinson doing the game. Again, someone who's been around a long time, and it just... He didn't have a lot to do, but damn it, when he did have something to do, he totally whiffed, and that sucks. So that's how we have to end it, and that's how we have to leave it. So I don't know. I guess anything else before we move on to the man of the match poll, Dan,
1: Nick? Nope. I am very much looking forward to the return leg of this fixture uh, to speak in Champions League parlance because I think that that will be a, uh, a wonderful game in the later half of this season.
0: All right, well, keep us rolling, Dan. We had man-of-the-match poll, right? So, obviously, kind of a, a weird situation to do, man-of-the-match poll, but someone, right, we try to find someone that had a good performance, even in lieu of the poor team performance.
1: Yeah, I, I will say the, uh, you yeah, know, I don't troll often. I really don't. It's not who I am in my nature. Uh-huh. But but uh-huh. I did think about putting KDB in here. <laughs>
2: God, uh, and uh,
1: the amount
2: the amount of flack he would have got uh, would have just been incredible.
1: It would have been like a Nickman in the match poll.
2: Yeah. yeah, just yeah, like a, norm, a, norm, a normal a <laughs> normal one.
1: Um, anyway, uh, overwhelmingly positive for the Danish Prince, seventy eight percent for sin ten percent for Rudiger, all clearly for his goal line header clearance. Uh, Courtois was seven. He did. You know, get a couple of goals, the and kind of snuff them out, and then uh, I, I threw in Conte, but I, I really there wasn't really a good third person to pick from in, in any way, shape, or form.
0: Courtois had a big save uh, that pretty much close range. I don't know if it's a header or what, but it's essentially like a reaction save. He's got his arm out too. Uh, I thought overall he was really solid. I mean, you know, it is kind of a weird day for him because, like, as a goalkeeper you're not as tired as your field player. So sometimes it's hard for you to understand like, why aren't you moving where you need to be? why aren't you filling the space why aren't you closing down and so it kind of throws your game off a little bit as well so like overall for him to stay focused and him to stay engaged he actually had to change his approach to the match quite a bit and uh, thinking that he's maybe have to do more than what he normally does or you have to be thinking ahead two three steps a lot more than normal because your defenders and midfielders aren't going to be where they should be so um, you know I thought overall like in a tough situation he did do well, uh, but understandably so. I mean, Rudiger and Christensen, talk about those guys were just under pressure the entire match, and I thought they held up well overall, and I think that, Nick, anytime you have Christensen versus Rudiger, the Chelsea, the loyal fan base is always going to raise Christensen onto the pedestal.
2: Yeah, and I also thought there was a weird article um, sent out by Martin Keown at, at the end of the match saying that Rudiger wasn't good enough to play for Chelsea. Uh, Do you guys see this? Like, uh, it made no sense that it was. It seemed to me like maybe Rudiger hasn't answered one of his questions, and he was holding a huge grudge against him. But Rudiger's been pretty excellent this season. You know, he wasn't great in this match by any means, but you could argue that none of our players were great in this match. So I, you know, there, we had some uh, some not so nice things said about Rudiger. I, I would just caution, uh, you know, journalists and fans alike, that he's he's definitely going to pay dividends. His ability on the ball and to hit a long pass
0: is fantastic. It's better than yeah. like what I saw in the highlights. So, But again, for Keon to pick out Rudiger in that match, someone who is coming in and out of the lineup on a day when everyone was shit, is, is surprising to say the least, Nick. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, as it stands, uh, City and United are joint top of the table. Um, City just... Eking them out with um, one more goal difference than United. Tottenham in third on 14 points. Chelsea right behind them in fourth on 13 points. Arsenal are in fifth on 13 points. Uh, Then it goes Burnley, Liverpool, Watford. And it gets worse and worse from there. Exactly what
1: you expected for your top ten. At the start of the season.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, Newcastle were up and towards the top for a while. They've drifted down. Like I said, Watford is drifting down. Liverpool still can't really turn the corner. So for now, Burnley's like cool. We'll chill. We'll hang out in the top six Europa League for a while. Why not?
2: Why not? Indeed, Brandon. Great question.
1: Yeah, Sean is Sean actually doing a phenomenal job there. So, uh, you know, we, we obviously got beat by them, and, uh, you know, City have them coming up soon. So hopefully he can uh, continue to do the business of taking points off of top-tier competition.
0: Absolutely. No surprise there. Um, but let's go ahead, and uh, as you roll on into Part 2, just real quick, uh, a nice little shout-out, you know, uh, uh, to follow our, our good friends at World Soccer Shop on social
2: media. Isn't that right, Nick? Correct. You know where to find them. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Dan, have you seen some of the story content on Instagram?
1: You know, I I would say they've been doing a lot of stuff with uh, some boot releases. I got an email about that today. So I'm looking for the the new CR7s. Uh, They look pretty sharp. So uh, I'm interested to see uh, how they roll that out.
2: Yeah, there was even like a FIFA edition that was you know pretty sharp looking as well. I mean, yeah, just uh, as as part of our sponsorship, it would be great if you could follow them on social media. Helps us out and uh, is a pretty easy way to support our show.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there's soccer people, football people, just like us. So you know, as fans, give them a follow. See if you like it or not. You know, there's no. It wouldn't hurt to give it a shot. But here we go. Um, Social media questions starting off with uh, some good friends. They want to know if it was actually that bad. So Josh Hart on Twitter saying in a match between two of the top clubs in England coached by two of the top managers in the world is a one not is a one nothing loss worth losing one's poop emoji.
1: Did did I read that right, Dan? You, You read that perfectly fine. You know, I think also our boy SP Beal and then uh, Cole Daniel Crump, uh, Reed, uh, all, all kind of hit on that same note was that, you know, do we kind of really look at this as being a terrible match? Or, you know, do we potentially think that this was just we got played? Pep did a great job. I think it's, it's all that. It's all of those things. You know, the, the team was tired, the team did play poorly, the team did defend well to To force it to a one one nil draw, uh, Pep played extremely well against you know Antonio Conte. Um, you know Conte did find ways to kind of move the defense around to to angle for a draw, especially after Murata got you know uh, taken out of the game, did injury. We were impacted by the fact that Athletic like Madrid had happened. Like I, it definitely is not worth losing one's poop emoji over at all. I think it's definitely worth the. Um, red-faced uh, angry man emoji. That That's definitely one that you could use. Uh, Nick, Nick, is there an emoji that you would describe to this match and your feelings about it?
2: Hmm. I think the face palm emoji would probably be mine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's our, it was our first, you know, really, really terrible performance of the season. You know, we got beat by Burnley because of the referee. Um, but, yeah, we got just simply outclassed it's not as concerning that it's city.
0: I feel like because they're a class team, I think that if it were a lower level opposition, then we have a lot more to be concerned about, but we also got some questions praising the wall, AKA the defensive wall and the future of Andreas Christensen and David Louise. Nick, it's kind of interesting we knew we weren't going to have David Luiz. He's been a little erratic this season, but like v- v- at VFactor07 on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if it's Sasha or Sasha. I apologize on Facebook. Uh, Sebastian Larson, Nate Hoffman, and Sean Remy all on Twitter. Hitting us up, Justane. Are you surprised that, you know, Chelsea missed David Luiz? Or are you more surprised at how rock solid Christensen looks every time we put him to a new test?
2: I am very impressed by Christensen and I, you know, I, at this point it's not a surprise anymore because he hasn't put a foot wrong since he's been at Chelsea. Um, you know, I think he's, he's been outstanding and is, you know, obviously the more kind of, uh, big matches he plays, the better he will be in future big matches. You know, it's kind of like that, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy almost, but, um, You know, we might have missed Avid Louise in this game, if not in defense, in the midfield, like I was saying last week. And, you know, the the beauty of, you know, them being in uh, contention and available for selection together is that you... Then again, have some more tactical flexibility. I think David Luiz in midfield against City might have changed, you know, kind of the complexion of the of the match, and and maybe could have been a little bit more of a stopper on David Silva or, or Kevin De Bruyne. So, um, I mean, Christensen is is playing very well. Um, let's just kind of see how the season plays out obviously I think we kind of touched
0: on William a little bit earlier, Dan, like I said, I don't think it mattered who we put in, uh, trying to play those two up top was never going to work, but obviously we got a lot of questions about William Mark on Facebook, uh, Vinesh, Twitter, the blind pass bleed. We bleed Chelsea. I mean, everyone is just, there's a lot of people not happy with William right now, but I like to think, I don't. My opinion is that he was put into a terrible situation, which he was never really going to ever be successful against the city back line this weekend.
1: Yeah. And this is, I think, a little bit of scapegoating because I think the point of the matter is, is that the majority of the team, as I said earlier, outside of Christensen, Rudiger, and I think the points that Brandon made earlier, Courtois. Uh, really have to look at themselves, thinking uh, you know, that was the performance that I gave on the pitch today. Was that really the, the best I could have put in? You know, I, I think to to Williams, you know, a fortunate situation is you know, he he kicked the ball directly into the one man wall, and as Joe Tweed pointed out, it's more difficult to do that than to get the ball around one person. <laughs> um he looked disappointed he he looked you know he had a couple of passes like into you know into eden where he was going to get this great run had good space that were either over or under hit um it, it was if you were cutting game film for william and you were just selling someone on the, you know someone on hey you know william's a world-class player or william is is a great athlete and you know, Williams' tactical acumen and how he picks passes is fantastic and you put that together and show it to someone, they wouldn't believe it off of this match. So, yeah, we, we can definitely look to Williams as, as struggling through this match. Uh, ho- hopefully he uh, he finds a way to regain some form while he's uh, back in Brazil working for the national team.
0: Uh, it, this, so we have a question about big game mentality and then we're also asked, would you rather win in Madrid or win versus Man City, Nick. Uh, Before you get into that, I think that it's interesting to say at Cavell 1965 I know you're saying that it is now twice that at home against big rivals, we've underperformed, and you're asking if it's a growing problem. I say no, because then I turn and look at Atletico Madrid midweek. That was a huge match. We were on the road, even more difficult, and we got the result that we probably didn't expect but it was fantastic. We overperformed. So, I mean, to me, Nick, it's like I would take the win in Madrid because there's less chances to get points right now in the group stage of Champions League. Uh, as Dan pointed out, there's still a ton of points to be had in the Premier League season. But what do you think, like especially about the big game mentality piece?
2: Uh, I mean, I kind of am a little bit worried to be, to be completely honest and it's not, I'm not crying wolf or or being overly dramatic about it, but we haven't scored at home in two big games. And when you think about the title race, yeah, there are a lot of, a lot of games left to be played and a lot of subpar competition to play against but you 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 want to get those at home you know your your odds of winning those top six matchups on the road um are even less than i think winning in madrid and so if you had to give me one of those matches i would have picked city at home because i feel like then you know even if we would have drawn or lost that in madrid it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because we're you know goal differential wise we're still okay in the in the group but Now, you know, I think I think we have a really uphill challenge without Morata in the league. And, you know, you're just kind of worried a little bit that we haven't scored goals either. I mean, I I don't know. I'm I'm, again, I'm not trying to oversimplify, but I I think it's it is a little bit worrisome to me.
0: Dan, big game mentality. If you could choose Atletico over City.
1: I, you know, at the beginning of the week, I probably would have said Atletico just because, yeah, it's Europe, it's a return to playing against some of the biggest sides in the world and Madrid has, you know, shown that they've been able to make it deep in the Champions League in a brand new stadium that they built. Uh, and it's an awesome win. And you know what? It definitely sucks to lose a city. Um but you know what? We we get a second chance to, to play them later in the season and I, I think we'll do the business then. So I'm I'm happy with the let it go win and the uh, Loss to Man City. Uh, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad we asked this question though, like a, a couple days removed though, and not right afterwards.
0: I know it's kind of funny. You know, we always do try to get these podcasts out as soon as we can. You know, Sunday night. Obviously, we're, we're a day late. That's completely my fault. Um, after running a marathon, who knew that I would literally be unable to walk or stand? Um, but it, it gives. I think a sense of perspective, kind of the emotions have have drained a little bit. And we kind of look at it holistic, holistically, definitely not objectively. There's still emotion with all of us, Uh, but it is a little bit different. So hopefully by the time you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, you will kind of be in the same state and and you can share those opinions with us. So let us know again, Facebook, Twitter, social media, all of that stuff, Uh, email, you know, whatever you need to do to get a hold of us. Uh, vent come talk to us because we're happy to respond uh so real quick right before we wrap up with kind of the a look ahead of the international break uh dan i don't know if you know this but we're going to london in december
1: that's right we are going to london and you know we had so much fun we went and saw the match at Millsboro, uh, at home with uh chelsea winning there in, in quite fine fashion and getting three points away and one win-win from winning the league, that we decided to do it again. And we're going to be heading over uh, this December to see Newcastle and see the return fixture of Atletico Madrid at Sanford Bridge, Nick. And our boys at XL Tours have got it hooked up, uh, got a great package, but deadlines are kind of approaching soon. And we know that at least, uh, I think about five or six people are already uh, taking the plunge and going to join us on that trip.
2: Nearly 10, Dan, are are ready to rock. And if you're interested, uh, we did uh, work with them to set up a payment plan. So it's not as big of a hit to your your pocketbook all at one time. Uh, we want to respect your hard-earned cash. So uh, as soon as you can, uh, a down payment of 500 would be a wonderful. Second um, deadline would be kind of the end of the month. And then the third deadline would be the end of November. So you do have about two months to kind of uh, look under your couch cushions for some nickels and dimes and uh, and try and make this happen. I will say the, the two-match value, uh, staying near Stanford Bridge, uh, going to the pre-match pubs, going to some fun pub meetups with uh, maybe some of our friends, journalists, and, and colleagues over the Uh, in in london will be well worth it and uh, we'll do as uh as best we can to throw in some extras as well that aren't even listed on the uh on the website but brandon where can they find all this wonderful information
0: yeah obviously just reach out to us directly otherwise you can head to the website london is blue slash london trip Uh, What is really funny, like Nick, as you say that you're like, yeah, you know, we'll be near Stanford bridge. I'm assuming you guys have all seen old school kind of throwback movie with Will Ferrell. And he's like, (laughs) I thought you said this was near campus. This is practically on campus. (laughs) campus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to be practically in the stadium for your hotel room. So honestly, you're going to love it. Um, But again, just a a quick wrap up. um, We always look ahead. Unfortunately, Staring back at us as we look ahead is an ugly, ugly FIFA international break. Uh, It's going to wrap up a lot of World Cup qualifying in the sense to find out who, you know, is going to be going on to the playoffs for the final round. Uh, Dan kind of talked about it. Martinez, uh, Belgium they were like qualified for the playoffs long ago. So they really don't need to. Um, But uh, in Belgium squad, Courtois, Batchouai, and Hazard were all uh, called up. So hopefully Mishi can maybe get some time, get some momentum heading into Crystal Palace. Spain, Pedro, Espilicueta, Morata, now removed due to his injury, uh, were called up. Uh, Conte at France, Cahill, England, Moses, Nigeria, Rudiger, Germany. Um, I, I couldn't find the Brazil squad, but Dan, it sounds like William was called up. And if there's any other teams I missed, I apologize. But that should give us a pretty good idea. I mean, a lot of guys in there, Nick, have been playing a lot of minutes or going away for international break. Um, it, I don't know. I mean, any anything you're kind of looking for or hoping for to come out of this international break besides the obvious
2: no injuries? Yeah, no injuries, number one. Um, I, I think maybe Pedro. Maybe, maybe Pedro uh, can, can regain... Uh, some form and and really kind of stake his place um and make his case back to uh to making the starting 11 in a a 3-4-3 kind of scenario um I think uh, he's been you know a little off the boil this year and and you know getting together in Spain with with his colleagues is is probably a good shot and you know, certainly, you know, Victor Moses in Nigeria, uh, they they need a little bit of help, I think, to uh to have a run at it. So uh I'll be looking for him as well, Dan. Yeah, I think also not on this list, uh Zapacosta
1: called up to good. the Italy squad. Good. So, you know, definitely uh some some cool things happening for a couple of our players. Uh yeah, obviously Bakayoko gets arrest, which is uh, nice to see. Drink water does not make uh, the England international team, and yeah, uh, I mean it's uh, it's a sad point because this is where we say goodbye to our listeners for an extended period of time. And uh, Brandon, and I don't like doing that.
0: No, and actually, real quick, I just want to pull back to Spain. So that's going to be a really interesting situation. I don't know if if anyone else has really been following this, but where Barcelona is in Catalonia and Spain, they are trying to vote for independence away from Spain. And again, while this isn't a political podcast, how it affects the footballing world is a sense that PKs even came out and said he will quit the team. So it's a really interesting time actually for the Spanish team. Nick, going back to you talking about Pedro being with his friends, it could be this huge distraction because this, this, like the state or the country of Spain is in this huge kind of like battle between a, uh, a state. And then now it's bleeding onto the team as well of like Pedro was in barcelona for many years now is it going to be even deeper than just barcelona madrid is it going to be now like becoming politicized so i know barcelona just played behind closed doors this weekend because of the riots and the protests and everything going on so um maybe something just to keep an eye on is the spanish team to see how it goes uh definitely interesting
2: times for them to put it lightly it's a it's a very interesting uh, political landscape in Spain. Uh, if you haven't researched kind of the the history of um, Catalonia and their relationship with, um, you know, the capital and, and some of the wars and, you know, kind of the feeling of, of Catalonia being on its own, you know, away from. Um, what would be considered, you know, uh, Spanish proper, uh, it's very interesting reading and certainly there you know, I've been generations of of bad blood. Um, you know, I think when you saw PK and if you haven't watched his interview, I would highly recommend watching it. He got very emotional flat out Brandon with, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, this was his home and his home, uh, is, is more important to him and the, the people are more important to him than, uh, you know. Playing football for the national team and and he's won just about everything that there is to win um, for for the Spanish national team. So very interesting times. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely has
0: won everything and um, it's I guess we're kind of starting the episode. Not only not only are we starting the episode, Dan, kind of with heavy hearts. We're now going to end it uh, with a bit of a heavy hand. Uh, but that is just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, football is not immune to what's going on in the rest of the world. So with that being said, listeners, thank you so, so much for joining us. I'm going to open it up one last time to Dan and Nick for final thoughts, and then we got to close this one. So uh, Dan, uh, any final thoughts that you'd like to leave the listeners
1: with? uh you know Ch- chelsea ladies uh, are playing right now so if you're looking to watch um some football from a blues perspective uh, that is not uh the international dredge uh you could watch the chelsea ladies play and a uh, shout out to uh miss mrs Emma hayes uh who previously gave us a little uh, little tour of cobham and let us see what was going on behind the scenes there uh, earlier in the year and um hopefully it's going to be a great season. You know, Frank Kirby already started to score some goals too, which is nice to see.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's a good shot for the Chelsea Ladies.
2: Appreciate that. Uh
0: Nick over to you. Uh
2: just want to say thank you for all the birthday wishes. Um again, uh, it was tremendous and and very much was getting mentions after the last show that we did. Um just personal life note I jumped out of a plane on Saturday that was pretty awesome um, and made it in time to watch that terrible match against Manchester City so shout out to uh, Skydive KC for for keeping me safe and if you haven't been go. No way man
0: that's like my worst fear ever good for you talk, yeah, no, about, thank you. talk about following social media your insta story that day was uh, not to say it's <laughs> not always good but that was a special <laughs> extra level of good you had
2: you saw the fear. <laughs>
0: <You>
1: saw, <laughs> saw
2: the fear. The fear shown through. Yeah, we. I recorded a bunch of little stories before we got there, and I was. Uh, I was nervous as as the poop emoji did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's pretty fair and then also i mean shout you mentioned it earlier but shout out to brandon for killing his marathon marathon man i wouldn't say
0: i killed it but it definitely killed me but you know at the end of the day i crossed the finish line and that's all that matters so i did i i ran a ridiculously long (laughs) long distance uh in the twin cities and uh It's checked off my bucket list, so on to the next thing. But anyways, Chelsea fans, thank you guys so, so much for listening. It's been another episode that we've enjoyed kind of sharing our sorrow and maybe not as much excitement as we normally do. But we appreciate having you around, and let's keep the discussion going. Tweet us, email us, Facebook, all the different ways you can get a hold of us. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag
1: flying high. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast covering everything related to Chelsea FC. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to submit your questions. And if you like this
0: episode, a five-star review in the iTunes store would help other Chelsea fans find us.